Welcome back to Split Decision. This week on episode 12, we'll be recapping UFC Paris. From there, we'll take a look ahead to UFC 293 in Australia to see Israel Adesanya defend his title against Sean Strickland. Then we'll have some fun as we dive into our top five Australian things and finish things up with a little Q&A and the news. But first, be sure to head to splitdecision.blog where you'll find all our recent episodes, our merch, picks, and more. All right, let's go. All right, so UFC Paris happened this past weekend in the Accor Arena. Uh, and man, this was a card that delivered. Alex, I think this was maybe... I don't want to overstate anything, but the best MMA crowd I've ever heard from the beginning to end. Yeah, I learned a lot here. Um, they care about their MMA in France. Well, they've... Uh, and it, it's not... They've only had it for a few years. Right, That's like that years. was what I was about to say. Like, I, did, I never realized that they've only had it for a few years. It was illegal previous to... like, Which is nuts. They allow kickboxing and boxing, but not MMA. Yeah, and, you know... They like to get bloodied in the streets. It's a fighting cult. Like, they have... In kickboxing and boxing, they've had, like, fighters. Bad dudes, yeah. So, I don't let's know. move on. This was a great card. As we said, great crowd. And the main event... I would say it was a great fight in that it was a back and forth. But it was a great fight where one fighter put on a fantastic performance and kind of cemented himself as one of the top guys in the division. Even though we probably already knew that, but he just furthered it. Cyril Gon dominated... Sergey Spivak, uh, first round finish. He came out masterclass on the feet. He was hitting him with all kind of shots, fist, elbows, kicks, especially to the body. Mm. Spivak tried what any guy does against a great striker. He tried to take him down. Sirogan showed a huge improvement in his takedown defense. Huge improvement compared to the John Jones fight, where I know it's not the same kind of grappler, uh, but you could tell it was a focus of his training camp coming in the ground and Cyril gone first round TKO. He just showed I'm still at the top of the division. I'm still got to look out for, he moved to nine and two in the UFC. Only two losses are to Francis and Who's no longer in the UFC by and decision. You have to remember by decision. And both guys have both Dana white and him have said he'll never be in the UFC and John Jones, who's literally the greatest of all time. Cyril gone's a guy. I feel like because of those losses, he's kind of, he had a huge potential because of those losses. People kind of looked down on him, but he is one of the best, most talented strikers and I think fighters in MMA. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, Sergey Spivak's really best shot to win this fight was to find a way to get gone to the ground. And to your point, uh, I think you said it perfectly in a weird way. Gone spent this training camp focusing on the ground. There was no way he was going to let Spivak beat him on the ground. Right. So his takedown, his takedown defense was very, very strong throughout. But he struck consistently, pouring on damage with a true variety of ways. You know, he landed very powerful jabs, strong leg kicks, and body shots. Those it, being, like, really the most effective of his arsenal on Saturday. So he just decided to keep pouring those on. And then, as everybody knows, gone won by TKO. You know, it was, a, it was a clean performance. It was a great opportunity for a big, like we talked about a minute ago, a big French crowd to show why there needs to be more cards there. And honestly, I just have, like, two questions. Hold on, I have two things to say real quick. Okay. I had two big things highlighted on my pre-fight notes that really stood out. For Cyril Ghana, had great kickboxer. Okay. And he came into he this, it. and he showed he's an elite kickboxer. Yeah, it kicked his the fucking The way, ass. as you said, he his variety of strikes, punches, elbows, kicks, knees, body, head, all over the place. He was unpredictable, and he he showed who he was. And then the other big note I had is for Spivak. I had this was a big step up in competition, and I think that kind of played out as well, where it showed Gon is an elite fighter in the heavyweight division. Spivak, he, you know, he's a great fighter. He's right up there. But I think that championship level, he might not be there yet. Yeah, that's fair. Now, with my, my question. So, Sarah Gon 
like we said, put on a clinic here. What do you think's next for Cyril Gaon? Who do you think he fights next? Do you think he fights the the man who's seemingly on fire, Tom Aspinall? Or does he get to go directly after John Jones next? That's really my only question here. So Who I does think, he fight? I don't think, one, he's earned a John Jones shot again after losing so convincingly, even though this was a very convincing win. Right. He did win against the number eight contender. Two, I don't think John Jones, you know, he hasn't even, he's kind of indicated this might be his last fight against uh, Stipe. So regardless of that, I think the fight that makes the most sense is Tom Aspinall. Tom Aspinall probably, I would say, deserves a title shot, but he said he's down for this fight. I think that's the fight that most makes the most sense, but if that fight falls through, Pavlovich, the other guy in the division who's Sergei on a tear, Pavlovich. The other guy in the division who's on a tear, knocking guys out, that would also be a great fight. Any of those, a combination of Gon, Pavlovich, and Tom Aspinall fighting, whichever two decide to fight next, that's the fight I want to see. Okay, well, let me throw one little curveball. What about the winner of Ty Tuivasa, Alexander Volkov? Would it be too much to ask for Cyril Gon to, you know, let me say that without kind of a better way to say it, to gatekeep another title shot I don't think by that would fighting be a bad one decision. of those two? I think if it comes out when everything settles that Pavlovich and Aspinall fight, I think that's a fight that would make sense for him because it would show it's a dangerous fight, but it would give him, like, if he were to come out and dominate uh, him on the, Volkov on the feet, right, or even Tai Tuivasa, who he did dominate on the feet, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that, but that would be a part two. If if Ty two, beats Alexander Volkov. I'm, I'm picturing him versus Volkov. That would be a fight where if he came in and did the same thing to Volkov that he just did this weekend, yeah, instant title shot. I think any of those fights make sense. Yeah, so what we'd be looking at uh, Aspinall. I think regardless, gone is one That's probably the win. most likely fight is Aspinall next, to be honest. Aspinall's career has been on this rocket ship Aspen trajectory recently he next but he's also down the fight pavlovich who we said this weekend as well the thing the thing with aspinall being able to fight gone is you know aspinall fought fought what about a month ago gone fought recent yet uh this past saturday with not a lot of damage taken so their recovery timetable and then getting into a camp could be you know that's the fight i want to see the next because those i think john jones is the best fighter in the heavyweight division obviously Steepy, I think he's a little old, but I think Gon and uh, Aspinall are right. the two most talented, best fighters in the heavyweight division. They're exciting. That would be the fight that I would be most excited for, Gon Aspinall. That would be a fun fight. In the co-main event for UFC Paris, we had Manon Foirot. I apologize again if I got that name wrong. I'll do my best every time, but I can't guarantee I'm right. Uh, taking on Thug Rose Namajunas. Uh, this was Thug Rose's first fight in uh, flyweight. You know, she had a very successful career at strawweight. She was a former champion. Two-time um, former champion. You know, we saw this fight really with Foirot being the bigger person physically and winning the fight, you know, largely, not largely due to that, but using that to her advantage throughout. Uh, she utilized her striking. You know, it, it kind of worked to her advantage being able to move better. Despite any of the, you know, clinch attempts and grappling exchanges or any of the, you know, striking exchanges for Nami Yunez, to be honest, Foro won really everything. The judges scored it unanimous, 30-27, 29-28, 29 Yeah, I had it 29-28. Uh, I'm sorry, I had it 30-27, actually, Foro. All right, well, look at you just flipping. Um, it really just solidified her position in the you know flyweight division it was a good french win the only uh french loss we really had on the card was uh the french versus french encounter that we'll talk about later on yeah the uh the countrymen stood up in this fight this was a nice win for Foro though she proved she's a title contender uh she proved that it's at least a conversation whether she gets the title shot next moves to six to no in the ufc uh, this was a huge step up in competition, at least by name for her. This was a very impressive performance, and it's one of those tests. If you're a UFC fighter, you think about, like, I got to pass this test. She came in, got an A, I believe. She was in control of the fight. Great takedown defense. Showed she was better on the feet, at least more effective. 
Uh, but a solid, solid win from Faro. Yeah, she she outstruck her, not by half, but you know, like by a good bit, um, or at least the attempts were there. You know, it, it was just it was just a good showing by her. So with Poirot winning, even though it was a debut by Nama Yunus, do you think she gets a title shot? Or, you know, because one, this is kind of like the last fight. Blanchfield just fight, won in a dominant fashion. Does she get a title shot first? You know, Shevchenko, Grasso fight again, what, in the next two weeks? Yeah, uh, September 16th, I believe. Right, I September next 16th. Next week. Yeah, it's the 5th right now, so by the time this fight happens, it'll be uh, the 9th. Yeah. yeah. They'll be fighting the, the next week. They're all fight, on free, the same kind of schedule champ, to be... Uh, fight night, by the way. Yeah, that's a fight night championship title fight. That, that'll be For fun. Mexican Independence Day. Um, so it, you know, it really, it really stands to say all fighters are well within range to be contending and fighting. So who do you think gets the next title shot? I wouldn't be upset with either one. I think both Blanchfield and Fuaro have proven they deserve a title shot. Uh, they've won fights. They've dominated fights, kind of. Uh, I wouldn't be mad with either one, but i say if I had to pick between the two, I would say Aaron Blanchfield. I think she's done a little bit more. She's been a little more dominant. And, for being honest, she's the more marketable for the UFC. She's American, and she's like 24, so that's something they could market. And that always... That does play a factor. That plays a huge factor. Yeah, it is a business at the end of the day. You have to think about that. They have business and they have shareholders. Question, you know, to convolute things a little bit more. Does Fuaro have to fight Blanchfield before either gets a title shot? Because you have, you know, a title, you know, a a potential title exchange or a title defense happening the next Saturday. You know, that that could cause a... uh, I wouldn't be upset about that fight either because that would be a title eliminator. Um I don't know if I'm either girl I take that fight because if you're a either girl or you're like an agent for either girl, a manager, you can advocate pretty hard that you deserve a title shot. So right. I don't know if you that's a dangerous fight to take for either one. Yeah. I think if one gets the title shot, whichever one, the other one might just wait, and you can't really blame them to fight the winner of that. No, I like either answer. I, j- I just know that th- this is a... A rare time in the women's flyweight division where it's very crowded. It's a with, good time. Right. Yeah, it's it's a good time. We haven't seen a time like this since Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm, Chris Cyborg were all, you know, fighting in the UFC together. Um, so I'm excited for the women's flyweight division. All right, so the next fight on the card was one of my favorite fighters, Benoit, God of War, Saint Denis, taking on Thiago Moses. Benoit, he came out and he put on a performance for the probably the fourth straight time since he's been in the UFC. How did you see this fight, Alex? Man, honestly, I think God of War is a little bit of an understatement here. When we watched uh, St. Denis fight this fight, he's relentless and powerful. He's skilled both on the feet and on the ground while he is a grappling uh, connoisseur. He is very well-rounded. Look, he, to be honest... He kicked the shit out of Moises. It was a great performance by him. Right. Like, he, he, he kicked his ass. Not, not to say anything was wrong with Moises' attempt here. He just outstruck him. You know, 123, five takedowns. He tripled the total output nearly of Moises. It was just a barrage that, you know, somebody couldn't handle. Um, it was a great home win for France. And another loved it. high-level performance by another French fighter. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, they had a UFC Paris fight card with a bunch of French fighters. They knew the crowd was going to get into it like this. Great they matchmaking. Knew, right. They knew it was going to be a high-level fight regardless of the winner. And there weren't, you know, many fights without a French fighter who won here. Yeah, and I think St. Denis, he moves to 12-1 overall, 4-1 in the UFC. He's a guy that's going to climb the lightweight ranks it's the hardest division in the UFC, probably. Uh, but he's proven. Diago Moses, he wasn't ranked, but he's a guy right on the cusp of the rankings. Very impressive win. Uh, he, we mentioned it earlier. You mentioned it earlier. He's a ground guy. Like, his specialty is ground. He's great on the feet. Diago Moises, his strength is on the ground. So, although it wasn't a submission, he dominated Moises on the ground, got the TK, 
TKO finish from the ground, I mean, overall, I don't think St. Denis could have wrote a better script for how he wanted this fight to go. No, I, I absolutely agree. On this one, <clears throat> be, being that the lightweight division is always so stacked, where do you see this going? Moises, like you said, was, was not a top 15 contender at the time. He was close. I think this win with St. Denis, his fourth, you said, in a row in the UFC, I think yeah, this one gives him. Oh, so four and one in the UFC. I think but this gives him a top fifteen opponent. I agree. I think anywhere, any guy ranked between like eleven and fifteen, he deserves. So like a Rafael dos Anjos, a Jalen Turner, uh, Matt Frivola, Diego Ferreira, any of those. Any of those, especially I like uh, Jalen Turner. And who's the guy you said after him? Uh, Matt Frivola. I would like that fight as well. Both I, of those would be good. I think. Seeing how well-rounded St. Denis has been, you know, I honestly, I slept on him his last time out. I uh, thought Ismail Bonfim was going to win, but he, you know, just completely dominated he, that performance, choked him out. He's so well-rounded. And well -rounded. went on, like you said, and beat a ground guy on the ground. Even though it was TKO, he still, you know, finished on the, on the ground. He got a takedown early on. He got a second takedown. Finished the fight. I think a match for Bola... Even Rafael Dos Anjos would be a good fight. I would be fine with any of those. He's a guy definitely to look out for. Rank, he should get a ranked opponent next. And, and let's see what happens. So let's move on to the, the next fight. What you got? So we had, <clears throat> we had Volkan Ozdemir taking on the late replacement. No time. Bogdan Guskov. Light heavyweight fight. And this honestly... In this fight, Ozdemir needed the late replacement. You know, he was trying to right, right the ship, change direction in his career. He had lost three out of four coming into this. Kind of rough in the UFC. You don't, Big you UFC don't normally, vet, too. Right, you don't normally get a lot more attempts out of that. But because he's a vet, he's able to kind of hold on. This was a fight we both got our picks wrong, and I think bets wrong. But we should have known, as a guy with 12 UFC fights coming in against a debutant, Right. That would be the French word for debut. We should have known. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ozdemir rocked Guskov uh, in the first round, securing a rear naked choke. He grabbed his first submission in almost a decade, uh, which was pretty good. He just beat Guskov, like, into the ground. He he took his will away with some of the shots. Yeah. He, really... he beat him up on the feet, and then he was so hurt, like, he would have let anything happen on the ground. Right. Absolutely. He capitalized on his, you know— what was given to him uh he made the best of his performance honestly in this fight uh he's not you know high up on the rankings he's probably not even ready to face a top 15 contender with this fight i venture to guess we see him I on wouldn't another say prelim. he's not ready because he's a super vet but he's not deserving of a top deserving is probably a better word i think we see him on another prelim card if he wins again I think we we might see him take another run, you know. Yeah, he's got to put some wins together, then we'll worry about a run. Right. But from there, a uh, good win by Vulcan Ozdemir. You said no time? Vulcan, no time, Ozdemir. Holler back, girl. All right, so the next fight on the card was the only fight of the night that was two Frenchmen fighting. So it made the crowd, honestly, it was the only time in the entire night the crowd wasn't loud because they literally didn't know who to cheer for. Yeah, it was like a 50-50, like, ah, oh, we like Sherrier. Ah, oh, we like Zucchini. Yeah, so it was, no. Actually, it's William Gomez Oh, I'm sorry. I was, on the, I was looking at the wrong, the wrong headline again. Wrong card. So Jan, William Gomez, Giannis Gamore, uh, a guy making his UFC debut in Gamore, taking on a guy in his third fight, coming on a 10-fight winning streak. It was a pretty uh, back-and-forth fight. Gomez, I would say, was winning. But this fight not even probably, was the most controversial fight of the night. Gomez had a kick, a body shot kick, where it hit Gamore on the belt line. Right. Gamore reacted as if it was a nut shot. Right. The ref disagreed, and instead of saying keep fighting or saying get up, just called the fight and gave the win to Gomez. Okay. It so, was one of the most confusing things I've ever seen in MMA. I have to say that wholeheartedly... That has to do with fighting being, or not fighting, UFC being illegal in France. MMA. Or MMA being illegal. Well, I didn't know the term. MMA being illegal in France up until recently, 
Because that kind of stuff... I don't know. I think that was just a dumb ref. That was ridiculous. Something was lost in translation. But there shouldn't be. They were in France, and it was two French fighters. Right. And the, the uh, Gamori wanted to continue fighting, like, immediately. He's like, oh, it hurt, but I'm good. Yeah, one of the most odd finishes. So it does give Gomez his first career UFC finish, which I don't know if you can technically call it that, but technically you can call it that. He moves to 3-0 in the UFC, 11 straight wins. Listen, brother, Aljamain Sterling won the belt You're by right. a DQ, it's and a t- he rode that lightning as hard as he could until O'Malley upset him. He got a finish. You're he right. Got, oh, Gomez won by TKO, and the replay was upheld after a small delay. Gamore, that's a tough way to lose your first UFC fight. Uh, I think if you're the UFC, obviously it counts on his professional record as a loss. I don't think they, they counted treat, against him in a professional treat him standpoint. Like he's though. making his UFC debut, his next fight, I think. Right. I think he kind of gets a redo, a rare redo in the UFC. Uh, but moving directly on to Morgan Sherrier versus Manolo Zucchini. This is the fight that opened up the, the main card, correct? Right. This opened the main card for UFC Paris. This was a crazy debut for Morgan Sherrier. He was a uh, big... Two guys making their UFC debut, by the way. Well, he was a he's a big anime fan. His nickname is The Last Pirate. He's a big fan of One Piece. Uh, he took on... He's a French guy. He took on Italy's Manolo Zucchini, also debuting in uh, the UFC here. This is one of the huge crowd advantage fights. Man, th- this one... Especially for a fight that's not early on the card because it was in the main card, but... Right, but... It wasn't look, the main event. This one was crazy. You know... Sherrier rocked Zucchini early, and then he did what we always kind of root for a fighter doing, is once you rock somebody, you go attack. Sherrier stayed relentless. He showed the aggression. He, you know, kind of went after those powerful kicks. He landed a body kick, and Zucchini damn near started running away until he landed a second body kick, folding Zucchini to the mat. In a fashion that I think, I don't know much about football, F-U-T-B-O-L, but Tiadri Henry, or Henri, would be very proud by the form of that kick. Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry. I'm trying my best. it's always beautiful to see, I don't know why, to see a body uh, kick, not even a body kick, just a body blow knockout, TKO. We've seen we've seen a few of those recently. We've seen a few recently, but it's one of the most satisfying. I don't know why it's so satisfying, but it is. It's it just because it, it almost just doesn't click in your head. It like it doesn't but make it's sense. Also like, how can your toes just make me want to? Because it doesn't go to look sleep. like it hurts as much as it does. Right. Because of that, it makes it look like you made the guy quit. No, which that, is that's, an added bonus. Right. It 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 looks more brutal than it is. At least as far as, like, external damage is concerned, as far as, like, external force considered to, to knock you out that way. But that kind of damage is still going to leave you pissing blood. Oh, yeah. And when, one thing the announcer said, and I think it was a good thing, uh, a smart thing to say, is this crowd was so intense. From the get-go, anytime there was a French fighter, they treated almost every fight like a main event. That's a good way to... To wrap your head around how into it they were. Well, look, if I'm paying for tickets to a UFC fight, I'm going when the doors open. I'm doing and the I'm same screaming thing. for the, every single fight, and I'm acting like every single fight. In most the main places, event. that's not the case in terms of the entire crowd. This entire crowd pretty much showed up for the first fight of the night. They were in it the all night, in it all night. It was a great showing for Paris. It was a great showing for French fighters. It was just a great show for UFC in general. This was a fun one. Yeah, it really was. To kick off the standings, uh, the leaderboard, the bets and picks, if you will, for last week with UFC Paris. Uh, Christian, this is a big congratulations to you. You pointed it out to me. This is the first time you've ever beaten me in picks. We've tied a few times, but uh, props off to you. You beat me in picks. Happy about that, but also props off to you. I think this is... Maybe not the first time, but a rare time you beat me in bets. It's the second time I've beaten you in bets. I knew you would know. I normally tie you or lose, uh, but I'm only now, I think, three, two or three, uh, I think three losses behind you, or three wins behind you, I should say. So what's crazy is we had the exact three same MMA bets. Both went two and one. So it came down to football, and no offense to you, but I would say between us, 
you would think I would be better at the football betting, but props, especially with college football, and I don't watch college football. But props ever. to you, you beat me. I went zero and two. I had obviously the three bets we had the same were the MMA bets. That was Gus Golf money line, which we lost. Bow, bow, bow. We had the over and four row rows, and Eat. I think that was pretty much. A big Cat says a lot, a lot. I think that was like my mortal lock. Yeah, that I was don't a think... lock. I think, I think it was like minus 260, so it wasn't even a big winner, but we won. Right. And then the other one we won was St. Denis minus 160. I've been on the St. Denis line. You jumped on it this time. You Last convinced time it was me. a lot more profitable. This time minus 160 as he gets better, obviously. But then our football bets. I made the mortal my number one mistake. Oof. My number one rule in betting is I don't bet on my favorite teams. That would be LSU football, the Saints, and Arsenal. I'd like to point out in my risky top five riskiest bets from or riskiest gambles from a few weeks ago, I did put betting on your team was one of the top riskiest bets you could do. And guess what I did? I was blinded by bias and you uh, bet on excitement. Brian Kelly. I bet on LSU with the money line at minus two and a half, so two and a half point favorites. They lost by 21 points. Ouch. Tough loss. Honestly, I don't even care about the fucking bet. I'm more mad about the game. No, I agree. That that was that was a hard... I had the wrong perception coming in, but after you told me, because I, once again, don't watch a lot of college football. I'm learning. Uh, but once you told me that, I I agreed. It was, it was kind of heinous. And then, a lot like my other bet, it wasn't my favorite team, but South Carolina, I had them, their money line, plus 114 against North Carolina... And kind of the same thing happened. It was a close game for about halfway through, and then North Carolina pulled away and ended up winning by 14. So 0-2 oh in football bets, 2-1 MMA bets. I went a very disappointing. The first time I think I've went under 500, 2-3. I'm disgusted with myself. So that's not the only time you've gone. You've gone 1-2 once before. Every other time has been 2-1. Uh, or 3-0. Oh. Oh, you, you did have a couple 3-0. So that, that gives you the, the grace to uh to have a loss every now and again uh my football bets were tennessee covering 27 and a half against virginia won that bet and then virginia uh, fucking sucks by the way yeah they are dog shit man that is bad i also had um caleb williams anytime touchdown rushing you know anytime touchdown score i thought because he didn't score a rushing touchdown last week he was going to score this week I was wrong because he's just not facing any competition. He's yeah, throwing 40-yard touchdowns, breaking off 40-yard runs, they quitting in the third quarter. They haven't played a conference game yet. So one thing about college is some of the obvious bets don't work out because it's such an overmatch. They pull these guys so early, which has been your Caleb Williams problem the past two weeks. Right. So Give him some goal line opportunities. Hit a, get him in some Pac-12 games. He'll probably get get some touchdowns not like i'm fading on that bet anymore i just may not place it every week or it may not be a podcast bet. so you went one and one in football bets and three and two overall right uh, so for the picks for the week christian moves to five and one the only pick he got wrong was bogdan guskov which i got wrong as well i'll take that and then also uh we took i went four and two you know, I got Bogdan Guskov. Which was the other one I got wrong? Uh, it was the main event. Oh, you you picked Spivak over Gone. Right, I picked Spivak over Gone. That was what it was. Uh, so Christian for the season moves to forty-seven and twenty-seven, inching his way closer to uh, catching up to me. At fifty-two and twenty-two, I have a very small lead. But Christian flipping it on the bets has a very small lead. Twenty-three and thirteen on bets hitting 64% of the time. We need to increase those percentages as time goes on. And then me hitting 20, 15, and 1 for 56% of my totals. That is just pure dog shit. Pure dog shit. And to wrap up the unmentionable chat GPT, they left UFC Singapore going 6-0, and which Christian argued that was the easiest fight card to do. All, favor all favorites won. All favorites one. How'd they do this week? Three and three. So I guess you were kind of right. Yeah, uh, they're gonna average out. You know, they're they're three and three. So fifty percent on the week. Still seventy-two percent right on a small weeks. sample. Three, three, three weeks. weeks. That's not enough. Small sample size. Um, but as things go, they're currently in the lead. But we're making Chat GPT go a m minimum fifty picks before they're able to take an actual standing. 
in the total bets or picks. Kicking off UFC 293, we're going to be talking about prelims and main card. It'll be nine total fights, but I want you to keep in mind this is Tuesday, September 5th. Something's at this point bound to get canceled, an injury, a weigh-in miss, so something might change it's by the time the fights. Honestly, right? I, I I just thought to maybe add that in there, uh, but anyway, first fight we're talking about is going to be on the prelim. It's going to be Nazrat Hakparast. He's fourteen and five, nine KO wins, five decisions, one KO loss, one submission loss, three decision losses. He's facing a UFC, how'd you say it for Paris? Debutante. Debutant. Uh, he's facing the debuting Landon the Lone Wolf, Quinonez Stewart. Seven and one total in his career. Five KO wins, one submission win, one decision win, one decision loss, and then one draw. One of the cool things I saw here was Hackparass is 28. He's been in the UFC since 2017. Six and four in that time in the UFC. He's lost to Bobby Green, Dan Hooker, Drew Dober, and Marcin Held. Some true fighters in that time. And of course, like I said, he's uh, facing off against Landon Quinonez Stewart. He's a debut fighter in the UFC. He's typically a KO artist in his own right, but he is facing his toughest competition. Christian, what do you think happens in this fight here? Yeah, I think this is a fight where it's a seasoned vet. And Nasrat, who's had 10 fights in the UFC, even though he's only 28. And he's taking on a guy taking, making his debut in the UFC. Uh, I think Nasrat gets the win. I think he moves to 7-4 and four overall. Uh, I think it just comes down to, to experience, honestly. He knows what's going to happen. He's, he knows what to expect. Quinonez Stewart, he's got to be one. He's traveled halfway around the world for his UFC debut. They're not expecting him to win. No, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. I think Hack Perez is also going to win. I think the the difference in competition for Kenonia Stewart is going to be one of the main things kind of moving forward for that fight. I don't have any bets here, just the pick for Hack Perez. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to just continue. I'm not fading on a bunch of Australian fighters for this weekend. Well, neither guy's Australian. You're right. All right, so the next fight we're covering is Jamie Malarkey, the Aussie, a theme of the night, obviously, versus John Magdesi, the Bull, the Canadian. John, he hasn't fought, Magdesi hasn't fought since last September, so almost a year. He actually lost to the fighter we just talked about, Hack Prast. He's 3-2 and two in his last five UFC fights. His last six fights, all decisions. So he's not a guy that goes out there and gets a lot of finishes. He's been in the UFC since 2010, though, and he's taking on Jamie Malarkey, as I said, the home, I don't want to say hometown guy, home country guy. He got KO'd in June, so he's trying to come back from that. Also 3-2 and two in his last five fights. Uh, he's a guy that, it seems, he either KOs people slash TKOs people or reverse happens. He's kind of a, uh, he goes in there and dies on a sword, I guess you would say. That's, or good, wins on that's a, a good way to put it. Or wins on a sword. He's 4-4 four and four in the UFC, so it's been up and down. Anything can happen in this fight. I think Malarkey gets the win. I think it's a close enough fight where the hometown advantage is going to make a big difference. Or home country advantage. Right, yeah. So I was researching today. I found out that uh, Australia is separated into eight states. So he's, one, he's from one of those. Obviously, he's from Australia. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Jamie Malarkey, honestly, to win this fight, he needs to stay active early and often. Hold on. hate to interrupt you. Name a Australian state. Melbourne. That's a city. Fuck. Good, good call. Keep going. I didn't click past that. No, I'm saying keep research. going with your... Uh... No, I'm saying... Yeah. So, Jamie Malarkey, uh, he needs to stay active. Good call. You got me. Uh, he needs to stay active early and often to win this fight. He is favorited, but we've also seen John Magdesi 
you know, be able to put it on. He's won by decision nine times. He's won nine times by KO. I think this one here ends with the Jamie Malarkey victory, but I also think this fight goes to the decision. I pick, as my first bet of the night, Jamie Malarkey, John Magdessi, over. I think it's minus 115 right now. And, uh, you know, I locked that in as my first bet of the night. This featherweight matchup for UFC 293 against Jack Jenkins and Jose Mariscal. Another Aussie Jack Jenkins. Right. We're going to have a lot of hometown heroes on this card for the Aussie people. Aussie and uh, New Zealand, Kiwis. There we go. The Oceanic region. So the both fighters here uh, fought on the Taporio Emmett card, UFC Jacksonville. Um, Jack Jenkins has a homecoming fight here. More Mariscal's second fight in the UFC. He won by decision over Trevor Peak in his debut. What do you think happens in this fight? So I think this is a fight between two guys that are, they like, we have one guy in Jack Jenkins who is a well-rounded fighter, but he does have power in his hands. And you're taking on a guy, Mar- Mariscal, who before the UFC, he was a KO guy. He did get a decision in this in his first UFC fight, but that's a step up in competition. That's expected. So it's two guys I think that are going to go out there and try to finish the fight. Two guys that haven't fought a lot in the UFC, but I think Jack Jenkins gets it done. I think this is a pretty even fight, and I think I think home crowd, especially traveling that far to Australia, plays a big advantage. Jack Jenkins, my pick. Yeah, I'd agree there. I think Jack Jenkins is going to win this fight. I think he goes out, and I, I think he shows a better camp. I think he, like you said, vibes off the home crowd. I think Jose Mariscal, you know, just doesn't have what it, what it takes to win this fight, you know, on Saturday. I think Jack Jenkins wins by decision. All right, so this one we have our first New Zealand fighter of the night, still kind of a, uh, a home country fighter. I know it's not the same country, but same region. Carlos Olbrig, the Black Jag, he comes in 4-1 and one in the UFC. After losing his first UFC fight, he's won four straight. Three of those KOs, the last three of those KOs, all first round. So very impressive. He goes in and gets it done. He's taking on Daewoo Jung, a South Korean who comes in on a two-fight losing streak. He is 4-2-1 and one in the UFC, so before those two fights, he was... Uh, you know, doing pretty well, one four to five, but he's kind of hit a snag. His only, or not only win, he has a win against Kennedy and how do you say his name, Alex? Nchikui. Nchikui, who the only reason I bring this up is because it's Olbrig, who's eight and one, his only career loss is to Kennedy. So he does have that win, and I think that's why if you're a matchmaker, it looks like their careers are going different directions, but you can justify making this fight. Uh, I think it's going to be a good fight. I think it's going to be an exciting fight. I have Carlos Olbrig, the Black Jag, and I also have my first bet of the night. I have the under. I think this is going to be a quick fight. It's going to be a knockout. I think Olbrig wins, but June could catch him. He could get the early knockout. What do you think happens? Yeah, I saw uh, June's knockout against Inchkui earlier today when I was kind of researching both of these fighters. It was an all-elbow affair. But I'll say it was, you know, it wasn't the brightest showing from Chikui as as we've seen. Um, Black Jag's only loss being to him is significant because, you know, in, in most hierarchy situations in the UFC, uh, one beats one gets to kind of trump the other in yeah, a lot of situations. They always say MMA math never makes sense because guys that beat guys lose to other guys and then... It's right, so at circle. the end of the day, though, it, the only thing that really matters is who's holding the light heavyweight belt, and it's neither one of these two. In regards to that, they're both just kind of traveling on their way to get there. I think Carlos, being as favorited as he is, I think he wins the fight. I think he stops Dawoon Jung in his tracks. Honestly, I think he gets the win here. I agree with you. Early knockout. No bets, just the pick here for me. Tyson Pedro kicks off the next fight in the light heavyweight division versus Anton the Pleasure Man Turkaj. Pedro being 9-4, and four, 
with four KO wins, five submission victories, one KO, one submission, and two decision defeats versus the Pleasure Man, five KOs, two subs, one decision victories versus one sub and one decision defeat. I think in this fight, honestly, I think Petro, even though he's the underdog, I think he has what it takes to win here. Very slight underdog. Yeah, it's a plus 100. It's pretty much even money at this point. But I think he's going to use the home crowd to to his advantage. I think he's going to win his second fight of 2023 via a pay-per-view performance. Honestly, I think Pedro's camp combined with the home crowd is going to, you know, be the mix that he needs to kind of write his career, kind of send him on his way in the light heavyweight division. What do you think happens here? Yeah, I think I'm taking Pedro too. I think it's just a case of he's a guy, he's a veteran in the UFC. He knows he's gotten wins in the UFC. He does, uh, he is two and three in his last fight, but he knows how to get wins. He's taking on a guy in Anton that's 0 and 2 in the UFC. Uh, Yes, he's dangerous, but he hasn't gotten a win. He doesn't know how it feels to get your hand raised. Uh, I think Pedro, that coupling with what you said, with the home, the major home crowd advantage, it's going to be a crazy crowd. I think Pedro gets the win. I'm actually taking him as my second bet of the night, the Pedro money line, plus 100, as you said earlier. Uh, I think the crowd and the experience uh, take him through. Man, and all that, I forgot to mention that Tyson Pedro is my second bet of the night as well. Tyson Pedro, money nine, plus 100. All right, so the next fight we're going to take a look at is a rematch from a fight that took place a couple months ago. We actually covered it, and it ended in a first-round TKO, uh, not even TKO, no contest, eye poke. This is Justin the Badman Taffa versus Austin Lane. The first fight was in Jacksonville. It was in Austin Lane's hometown where he played in the nfl he had the eye poke against taffa they did the rematch doesn't count as a loss but they did the rematch and they gave taffa the benefit of home field advantage this time the australian taffa comes in both of these guys ko artists six out of all six of taffa's wins by ko 11 out of 12 austin lane wins by ko austin lane's still looking to get his first uh, ufc win the eye poke, unfortunately, was his UFC debut. I think this is going to be a fun fight. I think this is going to be an entertaining fight. Justin Taffa, I think, is a crowd favorite. But I think Austin Lane, with his size, I think he comes in. He shocks the crowd. I think Austin Lane gets the win. And I'm actually putting my last and final, last and final, the same thing. My third and final. <laughs> That's MMA also bet. the same thing. No, no, never mind. It's not. <laughs> God damn it. My third and I jumped final, all over it for no reason. Third and final MMA bet, Austin Lane Moneyline. Okay. I like that. Um, I do think, well, not think, I do know, like you said, that Tafa was the crowd favorite. Um, most, of them, most of their fights separately are finished by KO. You know, 17 KO knockouts between the two of them. I think it's a strong bet to assume that somebody is getting knocked out in this fight. Um, I do pick Justin Taffa winning the fight, and my final MMA bet is going to be Justin Taffa money line here. I think he is going to just kind of rebound off a good camp. Once again, home field advantage, home turf, home crowd giving you that that push that you need in a lot of cha- in a lot of ways can you know just kind of push a fight in a completely different direction. So for that Justin Taffa money line lock it in final MMA bet of the night. Manel Starboy Cape in the flyweight division takes on Felipe Lipe Detona Dos Santos. Born Manuel Pedro Gomez Manel Starboy Cape. I love doing that with their biographies if they change their name. I, just, I can't get over it. He takes on Dos Santos in his UFC debut. That'll be uh, Felipe Dos Santos' debut. Uh, it's one of the only, only three fights in this entire card without Australian fighters. And honestly, the odds are stacked against Dos Santos here. Um, he's fighting in place of Kai Kara France, who bowed out, kind, I guess you would kind of call it late notice. Because it was scheduled 
It's like two or three weeks. Yeah, give enough time for a little bit of a camp for a guy who is probably already, you know, gearing up to fight. Uh, Starboy has an 18-6 record, 11 KO wins, five submission wins, two decision wins, two sub losses, four decision losses. I heard you drink that water. Uh, facing Dos Santos, perfect in his career, two KO wins, three subs, two decisions with one no contest. Honestly, here, I think Cape wins the fight. I think it's a, uh, a challenging thing to do is when you kind of debut on a pay-per-view card. Short notice. Short notice on top of that. It's it's hard. I think it spells everything for Manel Cape to win, go 19-6 and six overall for him here. What do you think happens here? Yeah, I have Cape in the fight. He's a big favorite, and I think the late replacement status is obvious why uh he's never been ko'd he's won three in a row after two straight losses two out of his last three wins have been by ko2 and he's taken on a guy in felipe dos santos has not had a ko since 2019 so you want to talk about my voice cracking and then you he's can barely even speak four just, just oh and one in his last five as i stick to the game plan uh He's on a hot streak, but again, this is his UFC debut. I think Cape <sighs> is going to show that he is more skilled, more experienced. I have Cape winning the fight. All right, so let's move on to the co-main event of the evening, and it may be one of the most exciting fights of the evening. Again, an Aussie fighter, Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa, one of the most exciting electric fighters in the UFC, whether he wins or loses. He's taking off another taking on another very exciting guy, the Russian, Alexander Volkov, Drago. He literally is the Rocky villain. Yeah, he, he's very, very similar. He comes in, Volkov, 36 career wins, 24 of those are knockouts. So he's a guy, he's experienced, he knows how to get things done. He's taking on a guy who's knocked out 13 out of his 14 wins have been knocked out. And Tuivasa, but Tuivasa, two straight losses, Volkov, two straight wins. Very exciting fight. How do you think this one goes, Alex? This is going to be a very interesting fight here. Uh, we have Ty Tuivasa, you know, coming off of two fights lost in a row, you know, which is never good for any UFC fighter. Then we move to Volkov, who's just been a dominant showing in the UFC through and through. Like you said, 24 KO victories. That's kind of the strongest thing you can ever get in a Ten UFC performer. 10-4 in the UFC. Did I say, uh, no, I said KO totals. Cool. No. Um, but Tuivas is considerably smaller than Volkov here. I, I think, think five inches. But five inches in size and also, I think, four inches in reach. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot to come back for with a heavyweight fighter Imagine that. You're five inches smaller than a guy, but you both weigh 265. Like, yeah, I get it's different in flyweight and lightweight, but this is a, a heavyweight division where the pounds matter. Somebody that size is going to put a, put a beating on you. I think Volkov wins this fight. I also think Volkov wins. That's my, my pick for the fight as well. The main event for UFC 293 is a title fight. With Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya, taking on Sean Tarzan Strickland. And up until the past month, I wouldn't have even believed that somebody would say that nickname for him pre-fight. But I, I guess they do. I watched enough clips of Bruce Buffer saying it. This is going to be a weird fight. We were talking about it beforehand. I agree. Strickland's underrated. I think he has everything to stand to win this fight, and I think he has the capabilities to win this fight. It's a question, question a matter of if he does. Um, but is he won the belt back after losing it to Alex Pereira? He won it from Alex Pereira. Uh, he fights Sean Strickland, but guess what? He also lost to Alex Pereira. So does that make, by MMA math... Is he better? I don't know. I'm very torn. What do you think happens here? So I think Israel Adesanya, he's the possible greatest of all time. He has a resume that stacks up with anybody. One of the most skilled strikers in the UFC. 
I think he's happy to fight somebody that isn't Alex Perea, as his last two fights were at uh, Poton. Sean Strickland, as you said, is underrated. I think he gets a lot of shit just because of the way he talks and presents himself. But if you look at his resume, he's been around for a long time, since 2014, in fact. He's won a lot of fights, 14-5 and five in the UFC, 27-5 and five overall. So he's a guy that knows how to get, get in there and get victories. He knows how to win. As I said, he knows how to get decisions. He's a huge underdog in this fight, that being said. And I think it's because of that. I know Israel's from New Zealand, but he's going to have a major home field advantage in Australia. He's the more skilled guy. I think Strickland maybe makes it closer than we think, but I think Izzy ends up finishing him probably like in the third round TKO. I got Israel Adesanya as my pick. I have to agree there. It's it's too much of a gamble to go against Sean Strickland here. While I do believe he wins the press conference battle, I don't. Oh, yeah, I would press conferences the exact opposite odds in Strickland's favor. Right, Adesanya is kind of just corny in that in that regard. But I agree with you there. I think Adesanya keeps the belt. He's never lost two in a row. I don't think he will this time either. So I think that wraps up our UFC uh, 293 uh, 293 preview. Excuse me. I don't know what happened there. Parrot. We (laughs) we gave our three MMA bets. How about we give our two, as we said, we were going to do football bets. And since this is the first week of the NFL, we can give NFL and college bets. So I think we both actually went one NFL, one college to start it off. You want to give me your two football bets of the week? Yeah, so I'm going to start off with uh, the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. No, I'm kidding. That would be the least payoff of a bet, at least for time's consideration, you could ever have. Um, My number one bet is college. I'm trying to get into watching college football here. Uh, It's better than the NFL. If y'all have any ideas about what team I should be watching, comment your favorite team, and I'll check out their game this Saturday while the fights are, or before the fights are going on. Um, I'm picking Colorado covering two and a half over oh, Nebraska. I also have Colorado in my bet, but it's not the spread. I just have Colorado money line. I need to get a win here in football. I took Colorado minus 162 money line. So we both bet on the same game. Nice. Pretty listen, much same outcome. Listen, we, we both believe in my in my household at least, we believe in three toe Dion. Coach so, Prime is the man. Oh, that's what you call him? Sorry, we call him three toe Dion in my house. Moving on, what do you have as your NFL bet of the week since we both picked one NFL, one college game? I think the uh 49ers money line. You know, I was uh, seeing earlier that Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee. So I was going to just do that as my Thursday pick, kind of get a get a good win to, to start the weekend. But with him going down, I moved it to a 49ers. They're pretty stacked with Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and others. I'm excited. I think they're going to get a win this weekend. San Francisco 49ers money line, minus 142. So I'm going the Vikings. They're playing the Vikings. The Buccaneers at home. Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield's their starter. Kyle Trash the backup, so not really too many options. I'm taking the Vikings at minus six. So I'm taking them with the points, six-point favorites, because the odds were too crazy for the money line. Damn, I thought for sure you were going to go with Baker Mayfield plus two interceptions. So I'm going Vikings minus six, minus 110 odds. So there we have it, our two football bets. We've given our three other MMA bets, five total. It's So the theme of the top five this week, I'm sure you could guess it if you've been following along. Fights are in Australia. The theme is top Top five five kangaroos. Top five Australian things. Way to give away two of our fucking guesses, Alex. Or two of our picks. Let's start off with our top five Australian things. What do you have number five, Alex? Man, I remember watching a movie with... uh, What's the longtime guest on PMT? 
He was just on there. Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. Kangaroo Jack. Yes, good movie. Good movie. Underrated movie. Underrated movie. Uh, number five, Kangaroos. That's a good pick. I have Kangaroos later on my list. <laughs> Not number five. Kind of embarrassingly higher than number five. But my number five. I respect it. Is you hear this and you think Australia. You also think Survivor. The didgeridoo, the Australian horn that you blow in. You hear it. You think Australia. What do you have as number four, Alex? So my number four is the Tasmanian Devil. That's not, a great one. The animal the or the act- cartoon? Right. I was going to say not the actual animal, but the cartoon. Because I don't know what the actual animal looks like. Um, it's Growing up, I just always saw this. Whatever. The name's iconic in America for some reason. Is it? Is it a? Is the name of the animal a Tasmanian devil? Devil is what? Devil? Devil yes, as well? Tasmanian devil is the name of the animal. So what is that? Is it a marsupial? It's either that or like some kind of rodent, but it's apparently right. it's pretty vicious. I think it's the coolest sounding thing. It's that, very, you think of it and you think Australia. So if there was a top five earth things, I would also put tasmanian devil on the list because that's a hell of a name for somebody to come up with for a living creature that is very rare all right so my number four is maybe the thing australia is most known for and i'm gonna be very specific and you'll see why after my next pick my number four is the outback desert i think this is one of the things that takes up most of australia has so many of the iconic australian animals Everybody thinks the Outback. They think Australia. The desert is cool. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I didn't think of the Outback uh, being the name of the, the desert. That's that's interesting. I like that pick. So that's my number four. What do you have as number three? This is kind of shitty now. A boomerang. That's not bad, though. I mean, that's a very Australian thing. Even if it's not Australian, it sounds... Australian. I mean, it's the only weapon I've ever seen that you can throw it. Now, I don't know if the cartoons are accurate. You throw it, it hits something, and then it comes back to you. No, or if you just if you throw, throw it. the right technique, it'll go out and come back. It won't it'll hit come back kind of close to you. Not even back to you. No, but if you're good at it, it'll come back to you. I don't believe them. It won't hit anything and come back to you. You can just throw it, and it'll come back to you. So cartoons are fake is what you're telling me? Apparently. God damn. That's not a bad number three pick. My number three pick, I said I would. you would learn why I was so specific with when I said desert. Yeah, because your last one was the Outback Desert. My number three is Outback the Restaurant. I know it's an American steakhouse. Oh, but God damn. Themed off of Australia. I like to believe that's what Australians eat. I know it's probably not. But it's great. Bloomin' Onion. I don't think you can go wrong with Outback the Restaurant. I got both Outbacks is what it is. What do you have as your number two? Let me make sure not to put um, the Outback dessert as your number three or your number four, whatever it was, and then the Outback Steakhouse as your number three because that would – it's got to be desert, not dessert. Correct. Right. Um, So my number two is what you're asking for or my number three? Your number two. You gave me your number three. Right. What's your number two? My number two is Outback Steakhouse, the home of the Bloomin' Onion. God damn it. Exactly what I said. Yeah, it's a good pick. It is a good pick. But it's a I, good, I mean, I I see, they have good steaks. I the, will see your same pick, and I will raise it another same pick. My number but first, two. wait. Did you know that Outback Steakhouse gets their steaks from the same place that Ruth Chris's Steakhouse gets their steaks from? I mean, honestly, I've never had a bad meal from Outback, so I'm not surprised. Right. So just keep that in mind. Next but as I said, food. if you uh, you said same pick as me, uh, two. Yeah, I two took for a, you. I took one for you too. So you said it earlier. Kangaroos, number two. They're Damn, the most, your number two is kangaroos. Dude, they're Australia. They're badass. Do they fight people? They can beat the shit out of people. They I don't know. I've box. seen quite a few videos. They're of, pretty much a Pokemon. You know, I can't argue there. They're buff. Some of them look Some of them are yoked, which terrifying. is cool. Kangaroos, they're cool. They hop. They jump. 
They have a little pouch. I like kangaroos. What's your number one Australian thing? Probably not our our strongest top five, but let's hear your number one Australian thing. Man, this is the, probably one of the stronger top fives I've had, in all honesty. It's not straying from the course. It's giving things that are Australian at heart, not um, the lackadaisical misnomers of Australia. You know, I had things on the list like shrimp on the barbie, which is not Australian because they call them prawns, apparently. So that's interesting. Prawns on the barbie. Right. I had a few things on the list. At the end of the day, I went with the number one Australian to me growing up. It was uh, Mr. Steve Irwin. Rest in peace. He was on some great television shows when I was a kid. The Crocodile Hunter. Right. He's iconic. Everybody knows him, especially people our age. Steve Irwin was the best. He unfortunately met his untimely demise. From uh, a bitch-ass stingray. From a bitch-ass stingray. I think that's a Cat Williams bit. Right. So Steve Irwin, the Crocodile Hunter, you're number one? Number one Australian. Steve Irwin, the Crocodile Hunter. My number one, another badass Australian man. This guy is more themed with what our podcast is about, MMA. So my number one is, I think, the pound-for-pound best fighter in MMA right now. I think he's the most dominant champ recently. It's Alexander Volkanovsky. He's a cool dude, fun to watch, uh, active, will fight anybody. I think he beat Islam. Alexander Volkanovsky, not only is he the best Australian person I know of currently, he's the best Australian thing. So to kick off the news segment with a little bit of the UFC roster watch, uh, we have the removal of the Korean zombie. He's officially retired out of the ranks. Um, we have Tafan Chikui. He was 2-4 and four in the UFC, so he'll be moving back down to his regional circuit. Cut. Ashley Evans-Smith. Listen to this. 1-5 and five in the UFC. She was just a body, I guess. Cut. John Hathaway. Maybe we don't need to be mean about the cuts. (laughs) Going on to a new promotion. That's the best way to say it. Going on to a new promotion. I like that. Uh, Then UFC ads are going to be the Ultimate Fighters Season 31 winners. Mr. Kurt Hollibaugh and Mr. Brad Katona. Nice, nice. Austin Hubbard also received a UFC contract. Due to his performance in the finalist Kurt Hollibaugh as seen on Split Decision. And then uh, Reese McKee also awarded a UFC contract over the weekend. What kind of news you got for us? So we talked about how exciting the card was this weekend, how great the crowd was in Paris, uh, how fun of a fights they were to watch. Even you could like feel the crowd through the TV. Well, Paris comes with good and bad. As great as that crowd in Paris was, while the fight was going on in Cyril penthouse in Paris, it got robbed. I think they estimated about $150,000, $160,000 worth of items stolen. So that kind of sucks. While you're having one of the biggest nights of your career, you're literally getting robbed. Probably having one of the worst personal lives, personal nights of your career, of your life. I'd, I'd be interested to know when he found out about it. Because, you know, after you... You're not, you're not just going high. home. You're on such a high. Problem. Right. You're going to celebrate. You're going to do something. Honestly, he's probably planning to celebrate. Then he heard. And then he's like, God damn it. I got to go home now. Uh, big day for the robbers. Knowing when you're not going to be home. Apparently, that's a common thing in Paris. It happens to uh, soccer players a lot that hmm. live in Paris. That's interesting. In other interesting news, um, Paul Felder entered back into the USADA testing pool. Recently, the triathlete Paul Felder, you know, talking that, you know, the Korean zombies sparked, uh, you know, the, the desire in his heart to fight again, potentially. And he said he doesn't know if he wants to fight again, but he's doing he's getting back in the testing pool just in case the opportunity it. arises. It sounds like he wants to have a fight, one more fight in him just to kind of have a, a send off, which yeah. I very much respect. You mentioned it on Twitter. He 
Paul Felder was able to enter the uh, testing pool before Conor McGregor. Yeah, kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah, we know we've known that McGregor has been fighting for for months now, and he still hasn't tested. So, what what does that say for you know things moving forward with the UFC? Is is testing a joke? It, what's this? What's the thing? Who knows? But shout out to Paul Felder, honestly. That's respect to him. And I think that kind of wraps it up for uh, episode twelve of Split Decision. Uh, check us out next week when we recap UFC two ninety three. And take a look ahead to UFC Noche, Grasso Shevchenko 2. Australia has the world's largest population of wild camels. Thanks for listening to this episode of Split Decision. Check us out at splitdecision.blog to catch up on all our recent episodes, picks, merch, bets, and more.